0: Come on, somebody clap your hands and give them some praise. Amen. Amen. Now let's do this in unison. Let's one more time. Let's truly clap our hands and let a voice of praise be heard tonight. Come on, clap your hands and lift up your voices. Come on, let's thank him for his goodness and his mercy. Amen. Lord, you're awesome and we praise you today. Man, it is so good to be back here in Connecticut. Basically, the way we summarize coming out here is we're just visiting extended family. Amen. We sure love this church. We have been preaching here and coming here now for 15 years or 15, oh, well, about a, a decade and a half. And so, man, you guys are so special to the right family. We sure love you and appreciate this church. Amen. I give high honor to your bishop and his wife, amen. And uh, Bishop was getting a little excited here just a moment ago. And uh, what he forgot to tell you is I just got bored with bringing my own fishing pole and outfishing both him and Lewis. And so I said, I might as well just use their fishing pole and outfish them with their own gear and tackle. And so that's what the real story is. Amen. And we'll, we will see pictures Sunday morning, okay? We shall see pictures. Amen. Walk across the aisle, high-five somebody tonight, would you? Amen. Go find somebody, give them a high-five, get out of your seat. Smile really big, this is church. Amen. I heard that, <laughs> yes, amen. I give high honor to the ministry that uh, Brother Tryon has honored already. It's so good that you're here. I'm glad you're here. Amen. How many's ready to go to the word of the Lord? Amen well, there's a few of us are Amen. I am going to bring some content tonight. Do my best to bring some content to challenge us. Amen. I give honor to your pastor and his wife, brother and sister Brown and his family. Amen. Uh, I know I honored Bishop. I give them honor as well. But tonight, I, I it's going to be a little bit different. I am going to teach slash preach. But the goal and what I feel stirred to talk to you about is to that when we get done here tonight and we go out to the altar, or we we come to the altar and we go out of this church building, that when you lay your head down at night, something grinds your gears. That something stirs you to cause change inside of you. Amen. God's power working inside of our life is to compel us to be better a year from now than we are now. Amen. It's It's actually inside of us to compel us to be a better us every day. Amen. A daily walk with him where he reaches inside of us and he makes us to be more like him. The Apostle Paul said, I, brother, and I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, when I look in the mirror and I see who I am and then I look at Jesus Christ, there's a big gulf between who I am and who he is. Amen. And I'm always striving to be more like Christ. Amen. And so I want to ask you a few questions before I read my text. What is a stronghold? I'm going to do, I, I did not worship crazy tonight because I just came back from a men's retreat and I, I lost my voice, uh, the sound system. They were suppressing me, which means as I raised my voice, they lower my thing and I felt like I had to scream and so I am recovering in my voice. So you got to help me tonight. But what is a Christian stronghold? More importantly, let me ask you this question. Is it possible that spirit-filled believers can have strongholds in their lives? Is it possible that spirit-filled believers, believers who go to church, believers who give their tithes and their offerings, believers who are actually working in ministry, believers who are saying they're the cream of the crop and they're faithful, is it possible for those people to be rendered powerless because of strongholds that are in their life? Can we as spirit-filled believers be bound by secret strongholds caused by the words or the wounds of other people? What does the Bible say about strongholds? How can we identify strongholds and more importantly, how can we break free and stay free from strongholds that rob the Christians mind? 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. In other words, the battles that you and I truly face, they're not physical battles. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Amen. And then he goes on to say, for the weapons of our warfare, they are not, say it with me, carnal. One more time, the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal carnal. In other words, uh, what he's saying is we're not like the Egyptians and the Israelites who when we go out to battle, we jump into our chariots, uh, we got our bow and our arrow next to us in the chariot and our spears and and we put big spikes on our wheels and we we smack or whip the horses and we go charging after our enemy. The weapons that we fight, they are not carnal. Amen. But they're mighty through God. To the casting down, or excuse me, mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. I want to read that again, and I'm going to make a comment. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. Again, chariots, horses, swords, shields. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hear me. Psychology will not work against your spiritual strongholds. I'm not belittling your psychology or my psychology or helping. It has its place. Amen. But if the psychology helps, I promise you its roots were founded somewhere in godly principles applying God's word to your life. God's weapons have to be used and applied God's way for them to be mighty. And then verse 5 says, casting down, everybody say, that's my mind. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, somebody say, that's my mind, to the obedience of Christ. I want to preach, teach, whatever you want to call it. I want to talk and give content today uh, on this topic, breaking free and staying free breaking free and staying free. Would you set your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands up high as you can to the Lord? Would you just lift up your voice? And would you give the Lord permission to talk to your hearts here today? Lord, I thank you on this first night of revival here, Lord, one of my favorite church with my favorite people, God. I'm praying again for just a mighty move of your spirit. Challenge us, convict us, uh, help us, God. Lord, I want to be changed. I'm praying for the anointing that would break every yoke, the anointing that would reach deep into the hidden areas of our life, the anointing that would search us and try us i'm calling on that anointing and lord i'm asking for the supernatural touch of god to help me preach and god help us to respond and hear lord not just be hearers but of course god to be doers of your word and jesus we give you praise we give you glory we honor you tonight and everybody say in jesus name high five somebody before you are seated amen For all the note takers, I'm going to break this down into six points. If you want to take notes, just mark it down. I'll pull, pull out each point one by one. But uh, I the first point is just simply an introduction to Christian strongholds. When you study the Bible and you begin to think in terms of strongholds and what the Bible lays out for us as strongholds, of course, the word of God is the ultimate authority. And so we begin to dig into the word of God to try to find out what this the scripture is talking about. And so when you start to study strongholds, especially in the Old Testament, you will see that strongholds were in the form of great walls, the walls of Jericho, The walls of Jericho were nearly impenetrable by men and men's forces. Amen. There were giants on the walls. And so the inhabitants of the walls, or or, excuse me, the city of Jericho, they could find a stronghold, a place of safety on the other side or the inside of the walls of Jericho. So we see that there are strongholds in the form of great walled cities and towers, Uh, The tower of Thebes was a stronghold for the safety or the inhabitants, uh, in, in that city. If you look at Judges chapter 9, verse 50, just real quickly or briefly, it says, then went Abimelech to Thebes and they camped against it and, or camped against Thebes and took it. But there was a strong tower, the Bible says. Others call it a stronghold. There was a strong tower within the city and thither fled all the men and women. And they of the city, and they shut it to them, and they got, got them to the top of the tower. And Abimelech came unto the tower and fought against it and w- went hard against the door of the tower to burn it with fire. And a certain woman cast a millstone upon Abimelech's head and all to break his skull. And so he called hastily unto the young men, his armor bearer, and said to him, draw thy sword, slay me, that men say not of me. A woman slew him. And his young man thrust him through, and he died. And so you can kind of get the idea, the concept of what a stronghold is, a stronghold, a strong tower. In other words, it's a place of safety. It's a dwelling place. It was a place where people could literally run into this stronghold, shut the doors, and now they are are safe. Strongholds are just not for your adversary or your enemy, but the Bible says this, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower amen I'm thankful for a young man who exhorted us to run into the name of the Lord amen and so the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous run into it and are safe and so second Samuel 22 22 he said the Lord is my rock my fortress and my deliverer verse three says my God is my rock and whom I take refuge my shield the horn of my salvation my stronghold my refuge my savior you save me from violence. Psalms 18:2 says the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold Uh, Nahum 1 7 the Lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble and he knows them that trust in him and so biblically speaking can you understand the context now a stronghold is not necessarily evil because uh, we have a stronghold in the name of the Lord amen and so we can literally run to the name of the Lord and be sheltered from the attacks and the defense of the adversary Amen. amen And so, simply put, a Christian stronghold or a stronghold, if we're talking a stronghold in our minds, then it's simply this, a place of safety. That at any time the devil wants to, he can walk right into your mind, access your stronghold, amen, and there he can begin to work in your life to bring you destruction. Can I repeat the question? Is it possible that Christians... Spirit-filled Christians, amen, who come to church, uh, sit on the church pews or the church chairs, uh, lift their hands in worship, are trying to engage that they can be overcome and rendered powerless uh, because of strongholds in their life. Jesus said this in John 14, 30. He said, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of the world cometh. And then he says this and he hath nothing in me. In other words, the devil's coming to try to dismantle me, attack me, fight against me, but he has nothing in me. In other words, there is no access point that he has, amen, that he can access my life. I have shut every door. I have barred every window. There's no avenue in which the adversary can war at my mind, war in my life. If you're taking notes, I want you to to write this. If you have a pen, if you're typing it on your phone, I want you to highlight this, and I want you to make it bold, and I want you to underline it. I want you to write this down, type this down, my adversary, bold and underline. Say it with me. My adversary. Let's say it together. One, two, three. My adversary. And then I want you to underline or highlight is out to, here it is, destroy me. Make bold and underline, destroy me. First Peter 5 8 says this be sober. That's always a great thing. Be sober. Be clear-minded, have clarity of mind, be sober, be vigilant. Here it is, because your adversary, the devil. Peter didn't say my adversary. He made this scripture pers- the scripture personal, amen. He said be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And so, in this thing called your walk with, that, walk with God, you have to, 100%, you have to make this personal. You with me? You have to make this personal. So, point number one is simply an introduction to what Christian strongholds are. A Christian stronghold is simply this, any, any place in your mind that the devil can walk right into, and he can begin to bring negativity and spiritual destruction into your life because you have opened that door. It's basically a safe place. A stronghold is a safe place, whether it's for you or your adversary. Point number two is this, granting the enemy access. If we are spirit-filled believers going to church, involved in the kingdom of God, how does the adversary gain access into our lives? How does he gain access into our minds? And the answer tonight is very, very simple. The answer is is you grant him access. Bishop has seen this twice as long as I have ever seen it. Put mine and Brother Lewis's experiences together, and that's what Bishop has seen. And this is a positive thing. He's starting to smile because he think I'm ready to start throwing a, a, a wise crack at him or something. I'm not. But how many times have we seen people come in? They wax valiant in spirit, they're mightily used, they're on fire for God, only then to watch their fire dwell or wane out and disappear, and then an entire cycle comes back, and then in two more years they're back on fire, recharged, ready to go, only to watch them go back out the other door. That's not the will of God for our lives. That is not the will of God's for our lives. God's will is not for you to backpedal, to wax weak. It's not for you to decay in your spiritual walk with God. It's not for you to, to backslide or to backpill. That's not the will of God for your life. Amen. What the problem is, is we have forgotten what Scripture says, uh, Peter says, is be sober, be vigilant. That means uh, having your hand on the sword and being ready because your adversary, the devil, is trying to destroy you. And so if you're struggling with a stronghold, how is that? I'll tell you how. Because you granted the enemy access. You let him in. Here's Aaron's definition. This is pretty pretty good, if I do say so myself. This is a lifetime of struggling, a lifetime of fighting for where I'm at. Um, I did not come out of the womb with a halo over my head. I'm not the man that's going to say, Hey, just do what I did in life and then you're going to be okay. Trust me. I have fallen. I have made so many mistakes. I was a brawler when I, before I, when I came back to God, I, I made mistakes. I walked away from God for a short period of time. I gave myself the things I shouldn't have given myself to. I'm not standing up here from a pulpit of perfection. I'm standing up here as a man that has literally had to fight for everything that I have. Amen. And so hear me today. I am not coming from the pulpit of perfection, okay? I'm not. But this is what a spiritual stronghold is. Since we fight spiritual battles and not physical battles, an enemy stronghold becomes any area, somebody say that with me, any area of my thought life, say my thought life, Any area of my thought life where the devil has more influence and power than God's word and God's spirit does, that's a stronghold. A stronghold is any area in your thought life where the devil has more power and influence than God's word does and God's spirit does. It is so simple, but we make it so hard. Obedience to God's word will defeat any stronghold that is in your life. Mark this down. An enemy's stronghold will always bring negativity and destruction into your life. When God's word is clear on how we should act and obey, or excuse me, act and live, and we do not obey God's word, we are simply opening up a door, Now, for the adversary to begin to work in that area of life and mark it down, your adversary will work in your disobedience to God, just ask Saul. The more you walk that path of disobedience to God's word, the weaker you become to defending that area of life. And then you start developing responsive habits. Let me ask you something. What happened to Samson? You know what he did? Listen, why was Samson in the vineyard when he couldn't taste of the grapes? You know what Samson did? Samson walked a path of flirting with the things that he couldn't have for so long. Until he found his head in the lap of Delilah, who then wore him out and discovered his power. It was a continual path of let's see how much I can get away with. Hello. It was a continual path of how close can I get to the things that I'm not even supposed to have. And every time he walked that path, it became more familiar to him. More familiar to them, more familiar to them. There's not one man, not one man who has fallen. I'm trying to weigh my words. Not one man who has fallen to child abuse on the web that started out there. There was other entry-level things that he allowed his mind to go down and walk that path until finally, that sounds familiar. That's OK, it's acceptable. And I use a hard analogy like that because it's no different from a Christian's perspective who is always trying to get as close to the world as they can. Because the more you walk the path, the more familiar you become with it. You know, I'm a big hunter. A bigger hunter than i am a fisherman think about that fishing is like my secondary hobby and i still will lewis and tryon could you imagine if we were hunters how bad that deficit would be oh lordy have mercy come on somebody over there preached me i went to iowa and i i went turkey hunting this year and um i shot myself a a beautiful um, tom in uh in the iowa public lands and then in like three and a half days, I spent, I walked 37 miles, and I was scouting for fall hunting. And there's something magical about, you guys are like bored to death, already. you? Like blah, 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 blah. I just got distracted about hunting. Thanks, Bishop. But unlike Pennsylvania, you can literally stand on top of a hill, and you can look down, and you can literally see the deer trails and the Deer paths in the woods because there's that many deer. They look like cow trails. How many of you have ever went by a cow pasture? There's a whole bunch of cows out in the corner. There's not 15, 20 different trails going back to the barn. There's one trail, and it's about yay deep and about yay wide, and it always goes like this. You know why? Because generally the bigger cows get, the bigger their back end are, and they can't walk a straight line because their back end sways. It's like an old sow uh, bear. That's how you tell if it's a big bear when their back end almost reaches their front end when they walk. This does not translate to the human species. I'm just saying about cows and <laughs> cows and bears. <laughs> There's one path, and it's this deep and it's this wide. You know why it's this deep and it's this wide? because that's the path they walk that's their default path let me ask you what is your default path when temptation stands you and looks you in the face see the problem is is when we disobey God's Word one time and we repent it's okay we're not too familiar. But when we keep crossing the barriers of God's word, the deeper the rut becomes. Amen. The deeper the path is. And let me tell you something. The more you allow the adversary to work in your mind, the bigger the stronghold is. And the bigger the stronghold becomes, guess what? The harder it is to tear down in your life. That's why we must guard our thought life. That's why we must take take imaginations into captivity and cast down every thought in our life because the more we let our mind work and wander outside of the confines of God's word the deeper the rut becomes so if the adversary is working in your life it's because you let him work in your life help me help me somebody let's talk about it the open door the gate I call it the gateway What are some gates? What are some avenues? How about the gate of anger? The gate of anger. The gate of an unbridled tongue when things don't go your way and you get mad. What is the person that you become? Is it the person that's lined up in the scripture? I think it's kind of comical that the man that had like 600 wives and 300 concubines felt inspired of god twice to say it's better to live in the corner of your house than to dwell with a brawling woman hello (laughs) women i'm not coming after you tonight not yet but i do find it kind of (laughs) comical he's writing he's like that's a continual dropping of a rainy day so is the brawling woman but it doesn't just stop with women because the Bible says let, let, let man everywhere lift up holy hands without wrath. Right. Men that go home and they're a brute to their family and they're brute to their kids. Listen, I, 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 I lost my ever-loving mind about a month ago. And guess what? I had to go back into my family and say, you know what? That was dumb. I, I played the part of the fool. I shouldn't have I've lost my, my cool. I shouldn't have got angry of that's just silly. Will you forgive me? You know what happens whenever I don't submit and I don't make right my wrongs after I play the part of the fool, the deeper that path goes, and now I think I can blow off steam and yell at my family and and act outside of the uh, guidelines that the Scripture proposes to me to stay inside. And then that basically defines hypocrisy, which I don't want no part of. Come on, somebody, and neither do you, I pray. The gate of anger. How about the gate of unforgiveness? That's one of the most scary gates, in my my opinion. You know why? Because God says this, or Jesus said this about his heavenly father. He said, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly father forgive you your trespasses. And so unforgiveness will literally destroy your soul and your walk with God. And yet, because of an offense, we can come to church and not speak to a brother or sister because inside we're upset by what she said or how she acted or what he did and how he overlooked me, and we're upset. And what Sunday after Sunday, we will excuse our behavior until before you know it, you're over your eyeballs in a rut of unforgiveness, and God's word is clear, as clear, as clear can be. How about the gate of the eye? I can't just preach to the men. About not keeping their their eyes clean and their hearts clean. I've been on altars where ladies have come up to me and said, Pray for me, I'm addicted to this. These are gates, these are open doors. What about the gate of unbridled feelings and emotions? people that think that you can just act however you want and you can do whatever you want because you feel a certain way. I'm going to tell you something. Feelings and emotions that are unbridled, amen, go 100% against God's word. God's word says he has not given us the spirit of fear uh, or, or or excuse me, the spirit of fear, but love, power, and of a sound mind. Sound mind is self-control. Amen. Through the power of God's spirit, you can control your feelings and your emotions. Hello. It's self-control. These are all open gates. Listen, if you're not submitted to God's word and God's word is not charting the course of your life, that becomes an open door. That becomes an access point. Where the devil can work in your life and hold you back from being the person that God has called you to be. So, how do you know if you're fighting against a a stronghold? Point number three. This is how you identify a stronghold. The biggest indicator, are you ready? Is that you will experience negative repeating cycles. Negative repeating cycles. Let's break that down in Judges chapter 6. We read, as Israel did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. The Bible says for seven years, watch this, Israel, they would go out there, they would cultivate the fields, they would break up the ground, they would plant seed, and when the harvest was rising up and the harvest was coming in, that the Midianites, the children of the east, they would come in without number and multitudes, they would come in and, watch this, they would destroy the harvest. They would take all the good And so this pattern would happen Israel they would start to take two steps forward hello and then all of a sudden they would now take five steps backwards as their harvest is destroyed. For seven years, they were in a repeating cycle of negativity. They would go in, they would have a little victory, and all of a sudden they were back to square one of hopelessness and dependence, uh, or, or, or not dependence on God, but just hopelessness and despair. They would then get back up, they would plant a harvest, and the next thing you know, the Midianites, the children of the east, they would come in and destroy the harvest. Victory, defeat. A little bit of victory, defeat. A little bit of victory, Defeat. Bishop, how many times have you seen this cycle in your, your, your tenure of pastoring and now bishop? People come on, come in, they're on fire for God. They're experiencing a little victory, and next thing you know, they can't even lift their hands because of all the shame that is on them from what they've been watching all week long. They come in, God's delivered them, there's a little bit of harvest, and now they're dancing and they're jumping, and then the very next week they can't even lift up their arms. Because of what somebody said about them 20 years ago and how the devil now has access into their life and he he can just come in any given time and cause them to fall. See, that's what a stronghold is. Remember, a stronghold is a place of safety. Listen, I promise you, when God's word has free course in your life and you're submitted to the, to God's word and God's way, that's not a safe place for the devil. The only safe place for the devil in our minds is the place where God's word is absent with authority. And while we're speaking about that, authority and submission, wow, what a powerful open gate for the adversary to walk into your life because of an unsubmitted spirit. The spirit of Cain. Here's the spirit of Cain. Cain said, I want God, but I want God on my terms and my box, and I'm going to define the parameters of how God works. And God said, go ahead, but sin lies at your door. If you want your sacrifice to be accepted, you're going to do it my way. That self-made man, self-made woman, attitude and spirit, guess what? A haughty spirit before the Lord. Tell me one of the seven things that the Lord hates and that are an abomination of the Lord. A proud look. That self-made man, spirit, self-made woman attitude, that haughty, high-minded, prideful, unsubmitted spirit. I'm telling you, that is exactly how the adversary fell, and you are no different. Amen. Submission to God's word and God's spirit shuts the door on any open gate. Remember, a stronghold is any area in your life where the devil has more influence and power than God's word and God's spirit does. Am I making sense? Listen, I, I, I'm really not pushing right now for an immediate response, but what I'm praying for is that somehow when I give this altar call and you touch a little bit of God's will for your life and where God is leading you and the things God's want, God wants for you, I'm praying when you lay your head down at night, the gears are turning. Man, what about this area of my life? What about this secret addiction to pornography that I have? What about this overwhelming attitude of anger that comes over me when I don't get my way in my marriage and I'm a brawler to my husband or I'm a brute to my wife? Hello. What about this overwhelming stronghold that every time I try to believe that God has a plan and a purpose for my life, there's so much shame that holds me back because of past failures, and now shame is an open door, and every time I think I want to believe that God can use me, now I'm full of doubt, and I'm full of unbelief. Hello? Number four, point number four is the mind in the mirror. The mind and the mirror. The truth of the matter is this that if there's a stronghold in your life or in your mind, are you ready? You're not ready for this. You ready? You sure you're ready? If there's a stronghold in your life and in your mind, guess what? It's your fault. If there's a stronghold in my mind and in my life, guess what? I've tried to blame it on my wife. And it works for a little bit until I lay my head down at night and God takes the the mirror. You are the one who's granted the enemy access into your mind because of your unsubmitted spirit to God's word. Listen, I get it. Nobody wants to go across the church. Nobody wants to call up their brother or sister and say, listen, I'm really hurt by the way you've treated me, the way you've acted, and I just got to get this off of my chest. Nobody really wants to do that. You know why? Because it takes a notch off of our pride. Nobody wants to confront the offender if they hurt you. But guess what? That is the way you have to do it to free yourself, amen, of the offense, You cannot blame anyone for how you are. Listen, don't, don't. I've heard this, and, and, and it kind of bugs me. I'm not being fed where I'm at. All right, tough guy. All right, tough girl. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you this. If God sustained Israel and Egypt... If you keep your heart and spirit right, you can glean something from any, any message that anybody preaches you. You can glean something, no matter if it's your worst favorite preacher or your worst worst of the preachers. You can glean something from every message if your heart and your spirit's right. Amen. That's right. Yeah, don't, don't believe me. Literally, Israel went into Egypt with 70 people. They came out of Egypt with literally almost 3 million people. And that was in a hostile territory, an unfriendly turf, where they were being persecuted. Don't tell me you cannot grow where God plants you. You can grow wherever God plants you. Amen. If you keep your heart and your attitude right. And so stop blaming your husband because of the emotional wreckage. Stop blaming your wife. Because you can't control your anger in your eyes. Stop blaming it. If you got a problem in your life, it's because you're allowing access and you are not surrendered to God's Word and God's Spirit. God's Word demands that we, somebody pat your chest and say, I, me. I'm revealing the fact that I failed grammar in English three years in a row in high school. Said, pat my chest and say, "I," or would it be me? I forget how you do I be I or me or yeah, all that stuff. Let's just say both. So I me, I me. So simply, point number four is stop blaming, stop stop trying to get out from underneath the magnifying glass. I promise you, Bishop knows, Pastor knows. If you're one of those persons, people that are just like this, <laughs> victory. Defeat, victory, defeat, victory, defeat, victory, defeat, victory, defeat. Oh, she's good this month. Oh, he's okay this week. And that's not saying it in a good manner because the implication is next week and next month, who knows, something's going to get in their crawl again, something's going to upset them again, and next thing you know, they're back into their negativity, downhill spiral. It's a stronghold. Number 5 point number 5 and I'm going to I'm going to go through these pretty quickly point number 5 is tearing down strongholds how do we actively engage a stronghold that is in our life If the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, how do we engage those weapons? What does it look like when we actually tear down a stronghold in our mind and we gain victory? So Paul said in verse 5, casting down imaginations and then bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience, amen, of Christ. And so in this mental game of chess, There has to be an awareness of what God is speaking and what your adversary is speaking. There has to be an understanding of what God's word says versus the adversary of your soul and what he's saying. Is it making sense? So when Paul says casting down, he's saying we have to actively engage our adversary. Listen, God's weapons are powerful. I have that in bold, and I have that word underlined. God's weapons are powerful. Come on, somebody. Some of you are having a hard time recollecting. I said God's weapons are powerful. God's way is the ultimate way. Amen. Amen. There has been vices. I anger was a vice. I'll just get real and candid with you guys for a little bit. My my dad's side of the family, so my grandma and grandpa were drunks. Okay? My dad's first memories in life was at three years of age when his mom handed him to another woman who was saying, I'm going to be your mom from now on. And dad's crying and kicking and screaming. He watches his mom turn her back on him and walk away from him, taking a sword and putting it into his heart and inflicting a wound of rejection at three years of age. That's my dad's first memories in life. From three to 17, my dad was raised in an orphanage where he experienced all kinds of abuse. He watched his brother have to go out and pick a willow switch off of a tree. And he watched as the dorm dad literally beat his brother until he was a welted up, bloody mess and left him laying in the shower. That's the kind of stuff my dad had to go through. At 17 years of age, he turned to drugs and alcohol. The rest of my dad's family were angry. My uncle literally beat up his wife, she called the cops, he went to jail. He gets out of jail, comes back, throws his wife out the second story window and goes back to jail. You seeing the deficit? If I'm I'm released, I'm going to give my dad's testimony Sunday morning. Anger just seemed to come natural for me. Anger was one of those things where something did not go my way, I I would just ball up, I would rise up, and I would use my words, and I would use my actions to manipulate and control the situation. That's why when I was a younger kid, in 6th and 7th and 8th grade, I I was called cheapy, and people picked on me. But when I went through that puberty stage, and I started hitting the gym every day, and I turned into some diesel, which I ain't no more, and I became a brawler, Oh, how things quickly changed. Anger was that vice in my life. I remember the exact place on 18 North Main Street. After Bible school, by the way. Hello. Talk about a secret stronghold here. I'm a Bible school graduate. Badge of honor. Come on. I've arrived. (laughs) And I'm still struggling. I'm still fighting because I have walked the path of anger so many times that when things didn't go my way, I would act outside of the guidelines of God's word. And you want to talk about having a come-to-Jesus meeting? I was wrestling with Cooper, my dog, which many of you know. I was wrestling with Cooper. Cooper. Called him Cooper the Pooper the Midnight Trooper. I remember parking the trailer out here, and we let him out, and I didn't realize he dropped like 18 landmines right out here. Pastor Warren Tryon's like. And the, the toy fell between me and him, and I reached down to get it, and his head was here, and he, grabbed it. he jumped up like this, and he had a, he had a, a crest on his skull. Right on the center, it busted me right in the mouth. And it literally imprinted my teeth on this side of my gums. I thought it broke my teeth, but it almost put my teeth through my lip. And immediately, rage came over me. And I almost grabbed him by the back of the head and threw him out the window. That's what came through my mind. I know old preacher guy, how dare he, but trust me, when you have a stronghold, it will manifest in a negative way. And immediately God said this, Aaron, if I'm ever going to use you the way I want to use you, that right there is what you're going to have to change. I couldn't blame my wife. I couldn't blame Cooper because I'm the one that's making the decisions. I'm the one that's in the air. I'm the one that has gone outside of the guidelines of God's word. And I'm the one that God's calling out on the carpet and say, you must change. You've got to change. Did it happen that night? Oh, well, no, it didn't. Because after I about broke the door when I slammed it as hard as I could, Jess comes in, I got blood on my hand, my mouth. I could taste blood. I could almost see my hole in my lip. I'm raging. I don't get uncomfortable. Listen, this is as real as I can be. I'm not preaching from a pulpit of perfection. That's why hopefully you can at least hear what I have to say and reason with it in your own heart. If you want to be one of those people that walk around, and act like you have all your ducks in a row, but yet your trending cycles of victory and defeat are telling your pastor and anybody with spiritual sensitivity otherwise, go ahead. This old boy needed Jesus. That's all I gotta say. I need Jesus in my life. If Jesus isn't working in my life and I have to drive four hours in traffic here in Connecticut and road rage starts to cycle in my life, I need Jesus. But from that moment on, Brother Lewis, I knew if I don't change, I will never be used by God. If I do not. If I do not put this old man back on the altar and say, God, you've got to fashion your word in me, you've got to use your word, and you've got to get Aaron out of Aaron, and you've got to get Jesus into Aaron, and you've got to help me to be what you've called me to be, and guess what, from that moment on when I had a heart-to-heart with Jesus, that was the first steps to actively tearing down strongholds in my life, and I can tell you, I still, if something happens, and if I don't check myself, I can't let myself go the way, but you can ask my wife. Uh, I am not even remotely the same man I was when she met me. Not even close. Why? Because God's word and God's weapons and God's way is powerful. That's right. Amen. Come on. And if you'll submit yourself and you will humble yourself in the sight of God and you will allow his word to change your behaviors, guess what? You will be the man, the woman God's calling you to be. You actively engage the strongholds in your mind with the Word of God. So, if any of your behavior, hear me, I feel doubt in this place. Don't, I, I, I can discern who I feel that from, but I feel doubt in this place. I feel heaviness in this place. Not from everybody. That, that mindset right there is in, in direct opposition to God's Word. You see what I'm saying? And the longer you walk that path of doubt and negativity and oppression, guess what? The deeper the rut becomes, and pretty soon you can't even see outside of the rut because you have walked it for so long. Listen, God wants us to break free And he wants us to stay free. It's not God's will that you cycle. It's not. Somebody say amen. Amen. I've been coming for 15 years. I don't see half the things, a fraction of things that your bishop and your pastor see. But I have been here long enough to see the cycle in people's lives. Somebody, God's spirit inside of you makes you an overcomer. God's spirit inside of you is powerful. God's spirit inside of you is trans—it's transformational. God's spirit inside of you, I mean, it takes work. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you're not going to have a bad day. But if you stay steadfast in God's word, amen, you can walk in overcoming life like your bishop has and your pastor and other men and women in here. You can literally stay on top of the game. The last point, and the musicians can join me. The last point is what I put in bold is this, mighty through God, mighty through God. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God. Watch to the pulling down of strongholds. We have established that the only way that you can win and truly overcome a spiritual stronghold is through God's weapons and God's way. This is a spiritual battle. Listen, you're not marching out to war, even though sometimes I know it's easy to think that you can walk across the church and clean somebody's clock, and, and it's it. you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Hello. True deliverance will only come through God's weapons and submission to God's weapons. Here's why getting into the presence of God is a must. You have to get into the presence of God where His Spirit can work in your life and challenge you. Listen, I can tear down strongholds. You with me? I I was at the hotel and I felt, I felt, actually I was driving over and I had Madison pull out my iPad and I was trying to steer and type enough for me to remember this. I was preaching in another state and I was preaching about the restoration power of God, right? Let's all stand. And... I walked back to a man that was in the back. And this man was literally rendered powerless in his walk with God. There was heaviness on this man. There was shame on this man. His fire, his candle had gone out. And I walked back to this man. I said, bro, what is the deal? What's going on? I stopped him praying. How can I pray with you? And this man literally starts breaking down. And right there in church, he begins to explain to me how his mom has emasculated him and basically ruined any form of masculinity in his life. By how she treated him, the things she did to him when she was just a boy. And that man literally, now in his 50s, is rendered powerless in his walk with God because of the words that his mom's spoken and the actions and all that other stuff. And now he finds himself in these repeating cycles of victory, defeat, victory, defeat, victory, defeat. And he can't break free, and he cannot find his purpose in God because of this stronghold that's in his mind. Whose fault is it? Is it his or his mom's? I know that sounds hard, and it sounds like I am not being compassionate, and I'm unsympathetic. But when I look at my father, who went through all kinds of abuse, who his mom walked away from him, his father was a drunk, when I look at what my dad went through and now in his later years at 60, 60 years of age guess what, at 2 o'clock in the morning his alarm gets off, he makes himself a pot of coffee, he throws his blanket over him, it don't matter if it's negative 10 degrees or it's 90 degrees he will make his way out to that barn and from 2 to 4, 2 to 5 he will be praying, calling out all of his children in prayer calling out their spouses he will be praying for victory, when I watch my father overcome such a because he said you know what if i'm going to be who god's called me to be i've got to take responsibility i've got to submit to god's word amen and when i watch it happen for him i believe it can happen for anybody And I looked at this man, I said, we're going to start praying right now that God reaches into your life, uh, and he begins to bring restoration. uh, And I watched this, uh, that man lift his hands, and literally the power of God reached down uh, and lifted him above the cloud, uh, above the cloud of guilt and shame uh, and all the things that happened. And I remember going back a year later, are you ready for this? A year later, and the pastor's wife said this. uh, She said, I want to thank you, the landscape of our church will never be the same again. You've just got to see it for yourself. And I walked in there to see people get a hold of, of not my preaching, but they got a hold of the word of God and the principles in the word of God. And people were revolutionized because of the word of God. No longer was that man in the back with his head hung low. No longer was that man in the back struggling in his walk with God. But guess what? Within a year's time, he made such a trans, transformational change. Uh, he was now the head of the men's ministry. Amen. Uh, he was praying with people. He was walking people through struggles themselves. Amen. Come on, somebody. That's the power of using God's word and God's spirit to, to tear down strongholds in your life. I need some honesty and transparency, transparency here tonight. How many of you have ever heard this? You will never break free. Come on. Honesty and transparency. Let me see your hands. Who's honest in the house? Hey, Liazar, Sam. Come on, some sisters, brothers. How many of you have ever heard this? You really don't have what it takes. How many's ever heard this? This was all you will ever be. And if you even climb out of this deficit, guess what? You'll be back here in another month. And therefore, you don't even try. Because you know you're going to disappoint God and disappoint yourself again. Yeah. See? That, my friend, is a stronghold. That, my friend, is a stronghold and an access point that the lies of hell are speaking to you more clearly than the promises of the Word of God. I'm telling you that we are powerful. I'm telling you that you can overcome. I'm telling you that God's Word can completely transform your life. Amen. God's Word is powerful. God's Word, amen, this is a game changer. God's Word can change you. and You don't have to live a life in cyclical patterns of victory and defeat. We can submit to God's word and his spirit. And he can bring change into our life. I am going to open up these altars for honesty and transparency. I'm going to open up these altars for somebody that you feel like God is speaking to you. That God is talking to your heart. And that there are areas that God is shining his light into your life, into the rut, and saying, hey, what about this area of anger, Aaron? Come on, what area in your life are you unsubmitted to God's word in? I think that's the very area that we need to give to God tonight. Would you lift up your hearts? Would you fill this altar? Would you come on this first night of revival? And let's just start off being real. Amen. Let's just start off uh, being open and transparent before God and saying, God, you got to work on this old boy. you got to work on this gal. You've got to transform me. You've got to help me. Uh, I don't want to be the same person. I want your transforming power. And tonight I submit to your will in Jesus name. Come on, lift up your voices. Come on somebody be open today come on be open i'm tired of this cyclical pattern god let your word get into my mind let your word get into my heart you've got to bring change let me surrender and let me submit to you today oh god help me i desire to be the man you're calling me to be the person you're calling me to be in jesus name in jesus name In Jesus' name, I
1: my you want more, lift him up. to Say be more oh, like oh, you. God, take us my us. life, make my life make just us. what you want, you want me I to be. be oh, Lord, please, please cheer.
0: Maybe God right now is speaking to you about that very access, that very area. Come on, that anger, that unforgiveness, that bitterness that's in your heart. Come on, that phone that is opening up things to the eyes that you shouldn't be seeing. And now you can't stop. Come on, those attitudes that are contrary to the word of God, the attitude of doubt, depressions and anxieties that you have entertained for too long and now you can't even believe that God has a plan and a calling for your life oh it's a lie Deus I want to I make a few closing remarks. I know it's a, a, a weekday, and I, I honor you for being here tonight. It's 9 o'clock. Many of you have to get up tomorrow, and you have to work. And so I don't want to belabor anything here tonight, but I want to make a few remarks. The reason some of you feel so hopeless with the stronghold you face is because you've tried to do it your way. This word declares that his weapons are powerful. They're mighty through God. God. This word is designed to engage every lie from hell. My children have disobeyed me. You understand that, right? But after I chastise them, I'm, I'm hugging and we're going out and hanging out. It's over. It's done with. This long-lasting condemnation and guilt and shame and suppression, you got to understand, that is not your heavenly Father. Hello. Amen. In fact, I'm going to give you a scripture that I want you to memorize. It's in the book of Psalms. It starts with Psalms 103, verse 8, and it reads like this. Says the Lord is merciful and gracious. Ready? Slow. Somebody say slow. slow. Slow to anger. That's right. But plenteous in mercy. Thank you, Jesus. That's my God. That's, yes. Well, let's go a little bit further. He will not always chide with men, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Why? For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy to them that fear him.. Right. Right. Come on, and I love this. I'm looking at my man right here with this boy. I want you to look at his father and his son. When I read this scripture, are you ready? Like a father that pities his children. So the Lord pities them that fear him. Watch this. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are but dust. When my little man here does something wrong. I, I could be wrong, but I don't foresee this father right here. Holding a grudge for five weeks. He threw his peas on the floor. (laughs) And yet somehow we embrace the lies of hell. We we, we accept them as as treaties from God. And we allow ourselves to be driven from God by guilt, condemnation, and shame. And that was never God's reason or never God's will and purpose for our life. But yet it's a stronghold. And that's our default. That's our go-to. That's our path that we walk instead of seeing God for who He is and how He loves us. So we engage the lies of hell by using the Word of God. When when you feel like you're worthless and the adversary is speaking to you that you're worthless, go read that scripture. And then let's, let's talk. You use the Word of God to tear down the lies and to reposition your actions so that you're walking in authority. Are you with me? And I wish we had time tonight to deal with the heaviness, the distance that I feel that some people are from God right now, not because God doesn't love you, but because you've had loud, faulty thinking To chart a course in your mind that separates you from God. Bless you. I sure love you and I appreciate you. I want this to be more about what happens tonight when you go to bed than in this altar. Come on, we are overcomers, we are powerful. Me and Lewis are powerful. Me and Lewis are overcomers, or was that you that said yes? That was you that said, okay. I said we are powerful, amen. We are overcomers, amen, and we've got this. God bless you. Thank you so much for making the house of God a priority on a Thursday night. You guys are awesome, amen. God bless you. Brother Lewis, you want to come?
2: One more time, let's lift our hands to the Lord. Lord, as we get ready to leave from this place, I'm asking that this word would linger in our minds and in our hearts, that this would not be some seed that fell by the wayside, but God, this needs to germinate quickly. In our spirits, oh God. Let this word continue speaking to my mind, speaking to my heart throughout the night, God. Through my dreams, through my sleep, when I wake up in the morning, let this word be resonating in my spirit let the transforming power of your word continue to be at work from wherever we go from here and whatever we go throughout in our day tomorrow and in the coming days God this word needs to stay and it needs to remain and it needs to bear fruit in our hearts and in our minds We don't want this word to die out. We don't want the sound of these words to not be heard anymore a couple of hours after we leave this place. But we need this word to continue speaking to us. There are ministering spirits that are in this place right now. There are are angels that are here right now, and they're going to follow you home as ministering spirits to continue ministering to you if you will allow them, instead of Continue to allow the devil to have have access into that stronghold. Let that angel that has accompanied this word. I I feel. I know it's not just me. There are angels and there are ministering spirits that are going to go with you. And they are going to minister through this word to you throughout this night. And in the coming days, they are going to give you victory in these areas. You don't have to remain distant from the Lord for the Bible says that if we draw nigh unto God he will draw nigh unto us if we'll take heed to this word and humble ourselves submit to the word that was preached tonight to what the word of God says then that mighty power of God that works in the weapons that we have will continue to be at work in your life so go home do what you're going to do but remain aware because there's something spiritual there's something happening in your spirit something happening in your mind there's a a transformation that's coming do not leave this place and start giving the devil access again through what you listen to or what you watch or Through the thought processes that you go through. Let your thought processes be lined up with the Word of God and let Him minister to you, continue to minister to you throughout this night and throughout the rest of our time together. The rest of our of your time with the Lord and your time as you go. We're we're gonna meet together again on Saturday. We have men's sessions and ladies' sessions, split sessions. Sister Wright will be teaching the ladies at 5 o'clock on Saturday here at the church. And the men uh, will be here as well in a different room. And uh, Brother Wright will be ministering to our men. Um, come casual Friday night. Or, sorry, Saturday night. Saturday night at 5 o'clock. Saturday night, 5 o'clock. Come casual. We'll have coffee, some refreshments. Uh, we're going to fellowship. And, and the Lord is going to minister um, in a powerful way in those sessions. And I believe God's just going to continue. He has set something in motion tonight and he's going to continue to do it. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed in Jesus name.